So we are continuing through Luke, but we've changed up our, our uh, what we see and, 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 and what we're looking at a little bit, all right? For 50-something weeks, we looked at that gospel according to Luke, and Preston and I talked about it. And so for the next several weeks, this is what you're going to see. Uh, lost. Lost, all right? And it doesn't just mean the good old Baptist, there are saved people and there are lost people. That's not what this means. Does it include that? Absolutely, all right? But you and I both know there are people who have asked Jesus into their hearts who are walking through their days, walking through their lives, feeling lost, feeling um, um, a sense of, of insecurity, feeling a sense of unloved or a sense of hopelessness. None of the things that when God said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, all right? So we are preaching to, to all of ourselves. As I'm listening uh, this morning, I, I, I got up and I, I went to the gym and drove there, mind you, and pulled my key fob out and it went beep, and the door wouldn't open. Beep, door wouldn't open. Four or five times, nobody there at 6 a.m. I realized that the door wasn't going to come open. So I had to drive home, and I walked in. I was like, I got to get this done. So I walked back outside in my T-shirt and my shorts, which was not smart, and started my 45-minute walk around the neighborhood, freezing my hindsight off, right? But I'm listening to another sermon. I just YouTube. Good sermons, let's talk about the prodigal son. So I'm listening, trying to learn something more, trying to learn something new, trying to learn something different, even for today. And so we're always finding things that are applicable to those of us, I'm 40, I've been, a, I've been a believer now, saved for, you know, 39 years. 39 years, and I'm still learning from the scriptures. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be in one of the most popular passages in all of scripture. We started with the lost sheep and the lost coin, and now we are at the story of the lost son, the story of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal sons, the story of the loving father, one of, in a book called The Top Ten Stories Ever Spoken, this story is in that book. This is considered a masterpiece both in literature and in spiritual things. Even people who don't believe in God understand the power and the, the beauty of this story. So we're going to spend three weeks there. The title of the sermons are The Prodigal Son This Week, The Prodigal Son Next Week, Different Son, and the loving father, the three major characters in here. Now, they're going to overlap a little bit, but this week, occasionally, instead of just preaching at you, occasionally, I just like to walk through the text and grab nuggets and make applications. So this is more of a teaching lesson today. So, Cassandra, I always love it when you're here, especially on these days, because these are the days I get a note at the end of service. It's like, mm-hmm, go preacher boy, all right? These are the days she's like, oh, that, and she'll write the one thing that she didn't know or that she appreciated. So I like these days. It's one of them days, girl. So we're just, this is, this is, hey, I got a 20-piece nugget today. All right, we're going down through here, a story you know, but lots of things there. So some of it you're going to be like, yeah, 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 I heard a pastor say that before. Some of you are going to be like, yeah, 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 I've heard that too. Some of this you're going to be like, huh? Because I was like, huh, and I've been at this a while too. So 
understanding context is key. So we're going to back up to the first two verses first of the chapter, all right? Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Are you the type of believer? Are you the type of believer that non-believers want to gather around? There's nugget number one. Are you the type of believer that non-believers, tax collectors and sinners, ready? Harlots and drunkards, addicts and prideful people, liars and cheaters. Are you the type of person that people who you are not supposed to be living like want to be around? Are you putting yourself in positions where not that you will fail, but that you make yourself accessible to those who need what it is you have. Jesus was the opposite of what the church folk and the religious leaders expected. We have taught our children for the last 50 to 100 years, uh, don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, and don't run around with girls who do, right? That was a, a phrase from my childhood, right? All right? You, you're not supposed to. You don't, you don't go to bars. You don't go to pool halls. You don't go to, you know, come on. Here's the problem. If you're always hanging around with saved people, are you doing anything that Jesus did at all? Well, Craig, if I go to those places, maybe I'll get into things I shouldn't get into. Yes, you might. Well, is that okay? No, it's not. Well, then how do I do that? Jesus! The more time you spend with Jesus, the less you desire things that aren't of him. Let me give you a prime example. As you well know, Jamie and I are working our way through a mental toughness challenge where we are reading and we are dieting and we are exercising and we're doing all the things. And good news, bad news, good news, I may be doing this a lot because um, my, my, my draws aren't staying where they're supposed to stay, okay? Which is a good thing, all right? It's a good thing. So, but here's the thing, we are eating 98% as clean as we can, all right? We've stayed away from, from, from white flour, from enriched rich flour, from enriched bread, from enriched pasta, from, from all, all of that stuff. We're staying away as best we can from things that are, that are in a can, you know, that are, if it's got a lot of packaging on it, it's probably not good for you, Right? For any of you nutritional people out there, do you want to know the best way in the grocery store to figure out what's healthy? The less packaging, the better. Think about that for a minute. Vegetables, no packaging. Fresh meats, very little packaging. If you want one more just for you to get healthy, the less legs, the better. Fish, no legs, really good for you. Chicken, two legs, pretty darn good for you. Beef, four legs. Still good for you, but not as good as fish. You see? The less packaging, the better. The less legs, the better. So we've been going through this, and I am on day uh, 56. 56, right? Here's what's happening. I miss some things. 
all right? I walked out here and the donuts that had just gotten opened up smelled really, really yummy. And I reached for them and then realized I couldn't. So I catch myself sometimes. I still, and this is going to sound funny, but I love SpaghettiOs. That's like childhood. I know it sounds weird, but that's like I, I love SpaghettiOs. And so when we open them for my daughter, it's really hard for me not to lick the spoon. All right, but I, I have learned not to do that, right? But there are things that are happening, and Jamie and I talk about it all the time. We're like, you know, I really want, no, I, I really don't want. Like cravings that I was having in week three, I'm not having anymore. The more time I eat the healthy food, and then like the other night, we didn't break our diet, but we did take our family out. So we had meat and it had some sauces on it and we had some, some soup and stuff like that. But the combination of all those things, no bueno. No bueno, spent some time alone that evening. I don't, I don't want that. The same thing happens with your spiritual walk. The more you are with Jesus, the less that you desire the things that are not of Jesus. Well, Craig, I'm here three times a month. Three, and a, three hours out of 30 days, and you want to applaud yourself for the amount of time you spent with Jesus? And people wonder why Christians can't stand up. Are you starting to do the math? I can't feed you all the time. My job is to teach you to feed you. Then you will be more than equipped to stand in the gap for those who don't believe, and say, look what God did for me. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. The good old church folk put their noses in the air. The well-dressed gentlemen in their ties and suit coats and the ladies in their ankle-long dresses so as not to cover anything stood and said, Now Jesus! We have taught our children not to, not to be around, associate, hang out with those people. It would probably be a good idea if you did not associate with Did you just tell God who he could and who he could not hang out with? Did you just have the audacity? I was getting ready to say something else that would have been totally inappropriate. Did you just have the gus, gu, gu, gumption? All right, the gusto to look at Jesus in the face and say, those people aren't worthy of you. But listen to me. Some of you guys are like, man, that's just dumb. But you've done it. You may not have said it out loud, but it has crossed your mind. It has made its way into your heart. Why don't people come to church? Because they don't like church people. Period. Because church people act like this. I tell people all the time, please don't blame Jesus because of what the church did. That ain't Jesus. 
We need to spend more time with Jesus. A little bit of preaching on nugget A. Now, in light of Jesus hanging with the pitiful, hanging with the hurting, hanging with the lonely, we skip now to Jesus continued. And I'm going to read all the way through this and we're going to go back, okay? There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Notice estate and property. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, it's all he now had, and set off for a distant country. Time after time after time, preachers preach a sermon called the Far Country. In the King James, that's what it was, the Far Country. If you saw the video this week, the question was, how distant is the distant country? And there he squandered his wealth, squandered his inheritance squandered his, I'm going to add another word there in a moment, with wild living. Put in there whatever you will. After he had spent everything, very important, it no longer uses property. It no longer uses inheritance. After he had spent, interesting side note there, that the Holy Spirit just told me about. I wasn't planning on pointing that out. There was a severe famine in the country. So it got bad, and then life happened. And he began to have need, and so this little Jewish boy went and hired himself out to a man who sent him to feed the pigs. The pigs, the detestable animal with the split hoof that we memorized Bible text about not being a part of. Don't eat, don't touch, don't dirty. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's Learned this this morning. How many of my father's hired servant never even knew hired made a difference? Wait, I'll tell you in a minute. Hired servants have food to spare. And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. I really want to talk about this, but this is three weeks from now, so I can't. Two weeks from now, he ran to his son, threw his arms, kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the end of his speech says, make me as one of your hired servants. But the father said, quick. Bring the best robe, that's important, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us have a feast and celebrate. Why? For my son was dead and is alive again, was lost 
and is found. And church, we have to figure this out again. They began to celebrate. We have to figure this out again. They began to celebrate. Heaven applauds when the lost are found and we nod our heads for an occasional amen. A man once said the only difference in someone getting saved in a Baptist church in a funeral is that the person at the front still standing up. Be careful, church. First of all, there was a man who had two sons. We're going to deal with one son today, but there is another son. One son came home, one son never did. That is your teaser for next week. The younger uh, uh, here we go. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Listen to me. Most of us know that this was not a good thing to say. You might in your head think, well, this boy's greedy. You might think in your head, this boy's immature. You might think in your head, this boy's stupid. Listen to me. Every father and adult family member in the room thought, this boy's a dead man. Listen to me. Jewish law made a request like this potentially punishable by death. Potentially punishable by death. Why? Because the dishonor in it is on another level. Here's what the son was saying. Hey, Dad, you're worth more to me dead. I don't want to wait until you're gone. I wish you were gone now because what I want is my part of what you have. I don't care about you. I care about what you have. And as long as you're alive, I don't get what I get when you're dead. So since you're going to die anyway, give me what... Wow! Do you know what the father should have done? Hit him so hard his left cheek went to the right hand side. Punched him in his mouth. This was so dishonorable that anybody who heard this request would have been like, uh, and like dead man walking. He should have never been able to leave the room. This is a horrifying experience that literally I can't even fathom walking up to my dad and going, hey, dad, I, I know you're one of the hardest workers I've ever met in my life, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to just get out. I need you to take the shop and sell it and give me what's mine. I don't care if I ever see you again. Can you imagine I mean, I can't even fathom the thought. But give me, listen to this, my share. He's the younger son. The older son gets the portion. So he divided the property. Listen to me. Two different words are used here for property, inheritance, estate, uh, wealth, uh, living. Do you know how we say, I make a good living, but we use the word live, which is like the word alive, which is the word life? Watch this. The word estate is goods, property, things that you can divide or manage. The word property later 
is actually the word bion or bios, B-I-O-N in the Greek, from which we get the word biology. Biology is the study of life or living things. Listen, biology, bios, logos, words about life. He actually states here, God or dad, divide your life for me. Everything that you have lived for, grown for, and become is measured in the estate that you have. That's how the Jewish culture was. You were measured by the estate. Larger estates, larger servants, larger homes, larger status in the community. Divide your life. Become less a man before your people so that I can have mine. I want to go into the Father's answer. But that's two weeks away. But he does the work, and it was work, of dividing. He hands it off to his son. And the son set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth and wild living. And the sun set off for a far away place. And the sun set off for another region. But what is the far country? The far country can be boiled down to simply one thing. I want you to listen close. The far country is anywhere the Father is not. The far country is anywhere the Father is not. In your own home, it could be your bedroom. In your heart, it could be your addiction. Whatever it is that you say, you can have this, 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 but not this, this, is a part of the country away from the Father. Lines were drawn in the Old Testament to literally dictate the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, the God of Judah, the God of Oreb. You see what I'm saying? Literal geographical lines actually measured the God. He went away, listen to me, from the Father, out of reach of the Father. Anybody understand exactly what I'm talking about? You ever took us one step to the left, one step to the right, moved to another city, got out of a relationship, did something you knew God wasn't going to appreciate. But if you got far enough away, people wouldn't talk. Nobody would blame. We use start over. The far country is anywhere the Father is not. And let me tell you something. Where the Father is not, there is no living. That came out and I'm really excited about it. Listen, where the Father is not, there is no living. Why? He who has the Son has 
He who does not have the Son of God does not have. Without the Father, there is no. So there is no living. You can breathe, party, sex, love, rock and roll. Not that all those things are bad in and of themselves. But you cannot live. And you will find yourself in wanting. You will find yourself hungry. You will find yourself thirsty. He began to find himself in need. Anything done under our own power will pass away. Things of this world will fade, but things of the kingdom will last forever and ever. When you run from God, you can end up nowhere but at the bottom. You can end up nowhere but empty. There is no scriptures where somebody said, because of my wealth, because of my power, because of my relationships, my cup runneth over. In fact, the most brilliant man, the richest man, the wealthiest man, the most powerful man to ever live on this earth, tried it, did it, spent it, had it, and wrote, meaningless. It's all meaningless. Away from the Father, you will find yourself empty. People call me all the time. Hey, I worked through this, but now I feel like, hey, I worked through this, but now I feel like that. You know why? Nine times out of ten, I was digging into the Word. I was digging into my relationships. I was digging into things, and then I got comfortable, and I stopped. I started getting back into work. I started getting into this relationship. I started getting into this sport. I started getting into this thing. Anything that distracts you from God. And then you wonder why it is that you end up right back where you were. Because the far country is only one step away. And you end up with the pigs. And you end up hungry. And you have a choice. Stay where you are. Or go home. Stay where you are. Or go home. But Craig, you said it could be far away or it could be right here. How do I go home? I will go back to my father and say, I have sinned. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You ready for this? Make me like one of your hired servants. Do you know what the difference in a hired servant and a house servant is? I didn't. A house servant lives under all the rules and regulations that the family does too. There's food on the table, it is theirs. There's food in the cupboard, it is theirs. If you were a home servant, you lived in the home. If you were a hired servant, you came in for the day but had to find a place to sleep at night. This son said, I would be better off just getting a glimpse of your life again than I would be a part of your, the humility, the brokenness, the hurting. But you know what this son did? I hear this all the time. You know what this son did? This son um, uh, uh, went out and got a job, um, made, uh, got, got some clothes, made himself righteous enough 
to stand before God. And then he went and stood before the Father and said, now I am acceptable to you. Would you save me? Isn't that what he did? Then how come literally month after month in this church, I hear this all the time. Hey, dude, I want to get baptized, but not until I'm ready. Not until I'm worthy. Not until I, I, I'm, God would have me. Do you understand, God love you, how dumb that is? I'm not being mean. Do you understand how dumb that sounds? I'll fix myself so that I'm fixable for God. No! It's in our brokenness. It's in our unworthiness. It's in our humility. It's in our attitude that God begins the act of doing what He does. He went from give me when He left the house that day. He said give me. When He returned to the house, He said what? Make me. You cannot get out of the far country on your own. Only God can get you out. Make me. Most of our attitudes for everyday life need to come back to this one thing. Are you a give me or are you a make me? Do you wake up every morning saying, give me God? Or do you wake up every day saying, create in me God? Sounds like a Bible verse. I bet there's one in there. Something like, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. There is no verse that says, once you renew the right spirit and have a clean heart, you become acceptable to the Father. Come unto me, all you who have energy and righteousness, and I will give you vacations. No! Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you. We'll get to a lot of this in a few weeks, but I have to point out something. I can't wait to point something out to you. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and there's so much in here and he had compassion on him. And then the father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, we're going to get into more of this, the robe, the calf, we'll get into more, but I, I have to point this out to you. This is how we'll finish today. When you turn from give me to make me, when you turn from performer to pauper. When you turn from I own everything to I own nothing. Quick, bring the best robe. I always thought, hey, he's going to get a really nice robe to cover his rags. He's going to get a ring, which we'll explain next week, and they killed the fatted calf. Best robe, best ring, best calf. I always thought that was it, and that was enough for me. There's a lot of preaching in there. This week I'm listening to, I don't know, one of about 10 sermons, and the guy says, here's what he said. Who had the best robe in the house? The father. So as all the people gathered around who were going to excommunicate, maybe even kill, maybe even murder, maybe even talk bad about the son. And there's a huge party going on at the house. When the best robe is put on the son, which belongs to, and anybody sees him, what do they see? 
tore me up. I am not who I am because of what I make myself to be. I am who I am because I'm covered by the Father. And that's how God sees me. There's more, just not today. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, so much, so much, so much. But I, 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 I have a specific and selfish prayer right now. Not selfish for me, not selfish for the church, but God, it is mine and I own it. God, there are people in our church, both in this room and outside of this room, who are seeking, who are searching, who are looking, who are in a far country, and they are making every effort to try to be church goers and try to be Jesus listeners and try to do Christian things. But all that they need to do is fall on their knees and say, God, I have sinned against you and I'm not worthy to be your daughter. I'm not worthy to be your son. But you will reach down to them and you will cover them with your blood. You will cover them with your love. You will cover them with all that you are and they can find themselves in you. And God, I pray that somebody would have the courage to say, that's me. That's me. I'm a dad and I need Jesus. I'm a teenager and I need Jesus. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I need Jesus to take me from the pig pen of my life and into the kingdom of God. All you have to do is say, make me yours. I pray that there are people who would do that this week. I pray in Jesus' name and amen.